You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Church at Home. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Bert. I'm one of the pastors here at SGC. I just want to thank you for tuning in today, joining us uh, week after week. If you've been doing this uh, for a while or if it's your first Sunday, thanks for checking out our church as we are in a series called Relationship Goals. And what we're doing in this series really is simply this. We want to improve our marriages. We want to make it so that our marriages honor God and that we get out of marriage uh, the stuff that God designed it for. And we think marriage is a wonderful thing. It's created by God. It was his idea. He blessed it. But sometimes, man, just stuff gets in the way of us seeing that and our marriages suffer, hearts break, lives uh, fall apart. And, and we don't want that for you. We want our church to be full of people who are enjoying this thing called marriage. Now, one thing, um, if you're single, what you might be tempted to do, you know, over this week and as long as this series goes, is to just tune out. You might be like, well, man, that's nice, but this series really isn't for me because, you know, I don't, I don't have a husband, I don't have a wife, so why in the world should I watch this? And I would just tell you, listen, um, this is life skill stuff. So if you ever plan on being married one day, you're hoping uh, that that happens, you should pay attention. You can bring these skills, you can sort of log them away and, and, and break them out uh, in, in your future marriage, or maybe you don't want to get married someday. That's fine. Listen, being single is not a lesser state of existence, contrary to uh, culture, everything that it throws at us. Um, and I would just tell you, listen, uh, even if you plan on being single the rest of your life, guess what? You're going to know some married people, and they may go through some stuff. And so by you paying attention and learning from the stuff, you can log it away, and you might be able to bless and, and pour life into your married friends and, and loved ones. So don't, don't, just, don't go, oh, well, because I'm not married, there's nothing for me here, because that's just simply not true. So every week what we've been doing in this series is we've been taking a different relationship goal or two. Uh, and unpacking the word and understanding like why they're there. And so last week we started out with two of them and here's what they were. We said, okay, number one, we want to put God first. In our marriages, the very first thing that we want to do is we make sure that our, our marriages, like God isn't a thing that's a part of our marriage. Now he's the one that we filter everything through because, uh, because our lives are about him. You know, as one of my mentors, uh, Pastor Bill Sammons once uh, said to me, and he said to lots and lots of couples over the years, he said, you know, marriage is like a triangle where you got God at the top, you got husband here, wife here. And as the two pursue God, what ultimately will happen is they'll get closer and closer together. Because the truth is, when you invite Jesus into your relationships, you invite him into your lives, he does amazing things in them. And so the very first thing we want to do is put God first. Second thing we said was this, we want to communicate well. Because, uh, and we talked about this at length last week, men and women communicate differently. Uh, we, like, we, we, we see the same things, we hear the same things, and yet we, we filter them through completely different lenses. And we want to be mindful of that in how we communicate. And so we said, listen, if we could say nothing else, the big need and the big thing, husbands, we want you to communicate to your wives is how much you love her and what that, what that looks like. And wives, the big thing we want to ask you to communicate to your husbands is your respect for him. Um, and, and so that's where we took it last week. Now, Today, what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to address the elephant in the room. Uh, and that's the idea of fighting because um, 
fighting is real in marriages. Maybe you had a fight this morning and right now you're sitting on the couch, you're watching this and you're like, awkward, you know, but but here's the thing that, that we want you to do. This is relationship goal number three. And if you take notes, you can write this down. Or if you're on our online campus, you can click the notes tab there and just copy and paste it for later. Uh, relationship goal number three is simply this, fight fair. We want you to fight fair. Now, here, here's what I mean by that. So um, years ago, Years ago, I, w- I was uh, doing pre-marriage counseling for a couple, and um, we were sitting down. And I was just trying to get a gauge for uh, the type of stuff that they fought about to help them figure out skills to work that through. So I just asked them, you know, like, hey, what, is the- what are some things that you guys typically fight about? And they looked at me, and they went, fight? Like, huh? I don't think we've ever had a fight. Like, babe, can you think of a fight? No, babe, I can't think of a fight. Look, I would never fight with you. I'd never fight with you. I love you. I love you. And they didn't get married. Here's why. Um, because they never learned how to fight. Because for, for many couples, here's the truth, okay? The truth is this word fight is a dirty word for them. And they think if we have a fight, that somehow our marriage, like I'm not with the, the one or I, I, uh, there's something wrong with our relationship because if we're in love enough, we'll never have conflict and we'll never fight. And that is a load of baloney. No, here's the truth. Every couple fights. Every single couple worth their salt, every single couple who is authentic in their relationship, who love each other, they will, not might, fight. You show me a couple who has never fought, I will show you a couple where either they're lying to themselves and you, or you have one partner who is taking things to an unhealthy end, they're probably inserting only their will, or you have another partner who isn't good at being assertive and vocalizing their needs, they just roll over with everything, and by the way, that festers and ultimately it explodes. No, no. Every single couple fights. Now, here's the good news. The good news is this. Studies have shown that the amount of fights that you have have nothing to do with your marital happiness. So, if you get into fights a lot, that doesn't mean that you have a bad relationship. Because it's not about how many fights you have. It's not how much you fight. It's how you fight. Like you, you want some precedent for this? Like, listen, you can be good and godly and still fight with your spouse. Well, how about this? A little while back, I was reading the book of Proverbs, and I came across this passage that really, really uh, made me stop and go, wait, wait, that's in the Bible? Oh, let me just read this to you. Okay, so this is Proverbs 27, 15, and 16. You're going to be like, wait, really? This is there? Yeah, this is there. Okay. Proverbs 27, 15, and 16 says this. A quarrelsome, a quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Meaning, okay, like like a quarrelsome wife is like, you know, there's a, a, a roof leaking, you just have that constant bloop, 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 and it gets on your nerves. And so there's a, a, a quarrelsome wife drives him nuts, that's what he's saying. It's like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. Now, here's what's crazy to me. How much of a marital fight and issue do you have to have? Like, how much does your spouse have to drive you nuts that as you're inspired by God to write the Bible, this author's like, I gotta just mention this thing. She's driving me crazy. Like, why? Well, because, see, that's not a lack of righteousness because if you're, like, you just know this, that the, the closer that you are to somebody, the more intimate the capacity, the more there is the potential and propensity for uh, them to irritate you, drive you nuts, for there to be hurt, I mean, that's just going to happen. But it's not how much you fight. It's how you fight. And what I want us to do is begin to change our thinking about fighting. 
For a lot of us, the reason we have a hard time with this notion is because for us, fighting is about winners and losers. It's about a will being established. We think, okay, if, if I get into a conflict with my spouse, the goal is for me to win. So I gotta figure out what well, I gotta say to her to get her to do this. I gotta figure out what to say to him to get him to do that, right? And that's completely wrong when it comes to fighting. No, the goal, the purpose of your, of your fight shouldn't be in your marriage for your spouse to see things your way or for you to get what you want. It's to figure out the best way forward for you both. So we're going to change our thinking. Here's the big thing I want you to understand today. If only one of you wins, you both lose. If only one of you wins, if only one of you uh, gets their way and the other person isn't heard or the other person just kind of rolls over, like, uh, okay, um, you both lose because the goal isn't for one person to get what they want. It's for the best way possible for the two of you to move forward together. Paul writes this in Ephesians uh, 5.28. He says, In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, when you're married, it's not just two people. It's two people coming into one. You're, you're, you're now, like, you're, you're one flesh, right? Like, you're united in soul. You're united in, in body. And so, what in this example of husbands, he's going, guys, like your wife's well-being is, is as important as the well-being of your own body, like in terms of treating her kindly, treating her well, making sure that she's moving forward with you. Because if only one of you wins, you both lose. And so what we want to do is change the goal. And if you're sort of looking for like a gut check question in that, here's a really simple, I didn't come up with this, but it's been used so much, I didn't know who to cite. So I'll just say, like, here's the gut check question when you're fighting. You just want to ask yourself, are you fighting in or for your marriage? Are you fighting in or for your marriage? Is the goal, okay, we're having this, this, this tussle and we're saying this, we're saying that, we want this, we want that. Is that fighting in for somebody to get what they want or are you fighting for? And listen, I believe this is the best way forward for the both of us and I wanna make sure that in everything I do, I communicate well to my spouse. They are my priority. So I might have a difference in point of view, but the goal is for the two of us to go forward together. Are you fighting in or for your marriage? So, so what does that have to do with, with fighting fair? Well, believe it or not, uh, there are steps to fighting fair because sometimes we don't fight fair. Like, you know, imagine, um, imagine you get a boxing ring in front of you, right? And you had two boxers get in and you have the, like the one guy there and his hands are up and he's like, right? Then you have another guy and he has the gloves and the bell rings, guy drops his gloves and grabs a bat and goes at the other guy. We would say that's not fighting fair. Like you can fight, but that's not a fair fight. And in the same way, sometimes what people do is, is they use uh, manipulation, they tempers flare, and, 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 and there are all kinds of ways that uh, people fight that aren't appropriate and aren't right. So the question becomes, okay, well, what do we do when we fight? Like what does a healthy fight look like? What does it mean to fight fair? The best example of this I've found is in Craig and Amy Grishel's book. Uh, it's called From This Day Forward. Uh, they list uh, three steps I'm going to go over with you today about fighting fair, and, and I think these are just good. So they say, listen, the very first step to fighting fair is simply this, to stop to listen carefully. Let me say that again. Stop to listen carefully. Proverbs 18.2 says it like this. It says, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. <laughs> That's some good Bible right there. You ever know that person, right? Who's like, listen, they're not listening to you at all. They're just waiting in the conversation so they can interject something. 
And the author of Proverbs there says, yeah, you're a fool if you do that. Like the goal is to understand. You want to listen to understand. Like stop to listen carefully. Here, I'll give you an exercise that, that I go over with couples. Um, so I'll say you're in a fight or you're, you're, you're sensing like tensions mounting. You've got some kind of conflict and you're just, you're just not tracking together. Okay, Here, here's an exercise I recommend. So um, let's say... Uh, the person, like your, your spouse says something to you that hurts your feelings. How, how you would respond is rather than being like, well, I'm going to say something too. You know, I said, just go this. When you, and we'll put this on the screen here. When you say blank, what I hear you saying is blank. Let me say that again. When you say blank, what I hear you saying is blank. So for instance, okay. When you say uh, you, you want to go out with your friend's tonight instead of staying in with me. What I hear you saying is you don't want to be with me. Okay, now that, that, that might not, like, so like, wow, that's, that's hitting them. I know, man, I've been doing this for a while. I know, I know the stuff couples get into, okay? But here's what will happen, okay? In, in addition to, okay, the, the person who's feeling offense or anger, it, them putting a, a face on what they're saying so the insult isn't abounding, what will oftentimes happen is you'll, you'll just buy, or you'll bypass the fight completely. Because what you'll do is you'll, like the person, they'll hear that, we go, oh, no, no, that's not what I mean at all. It's just that, you know, I, I know so-and-so, and they've been wanting to get out, and so I thought it'd be really good for them. And so, listen, by, like when you say blank, what I hear you saying is blank. You might just alleviate a ton of fights there. But the first goal, the very first thing we want to do is make sure that our spouse feels heard and validated. So listen, stop to listen carefully before you interject any kind of opinion to it, before the, the, the heat turns up, you want to make sure that you understand what they're saying. And by asking clarifying questions, that's going to help you. Because remember, your spouse would not have married you if they were not pro you. So chances are good they're seeing things a certain way or you're seeing things a certain way. And so by stopping to get clarity, it's not going to turn you guys into enemies, but instead you're allies who are trying to get to the common goal, which is the betterment of the two of you and the betterment of your relationship. Okay, so that's the first thing. Stop to listen carefully. Here's the second thing, okay? Guard your words faithfully. Guard your words faithfully. Again, in Proverbs, it's it's Proverbs Day, mostly. Here at SGC, I love it. Uh, Proverbs 21, 23 says it like this. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Those, those who guard their mouths and keep their tongues keep themselves from calamity. <laughs> uh, as the Grishels, uh ask it here, I love what they say. They, they say, listen, ask yourself the question, should it be said and should it be said now? I mean, that's good, right? Like, they we're not just speaking and not just knee-jerk reaction. Okay, like, okay, should it be said? Like, do I really need to say this to them? Is this something that we really need to fight about? And, okay, if I do, is now the time or are things so heated up that they're probably not in a place to hear it, okay? Should it be said and should it be said now? My wife is the queen of this, by the way. My wife is amazing at picking her battles, which I appreciate because there are a lot of times where I'm an emotional basket case. And she knows me well enough to know that it is not a good time to bring up something that Bert uh, has said or... Uh, is 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 she you know she perceives as doing wrong or we'll just say is doing wrong because I'm not perfect um and she and she's she's such a master of okay okay I don't need to confront right here on this but but I am gonna need to say this later and she'll wait and you know I'm, I'm concerned about you saying that but I mean she always she finds the best and, and I mean single best time to do that and I'm so thankful for that with her um another thing to understand with this with this idea of like guarding your words uh faithfully this also means by the way um that you're never calling names. 
Like that you're not insulting the other person. Oh, you're just like your mom. Oh, you're just like your dad. Yeah, see how far that goes, right? But or you might use other words. Like, no, you want to avoid that. Ephesians 4.29 says it like this. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And this word that we translate as unwholesome is the Greek, the Greek word sapros. And, and other places in the New Testament, it's actually used to describe rotten fruit. Like, I love that, like unwholesome talk. It's not talking about like just profanity, although certainly avoid that. But no, like this idea of don't let things come out of your mouth. It's going to produce rotten fruit. It's going to produce bad fruit in your relationships. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That it may, look at this word, benefit those who listen. So don't be calling names. How about this? Don't, don't raise your voice. And you should just know that nothing comes with that. Like guys, and us sometimes like we amp up uh, aggression. We 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 you know we we raise our voice because there's something in a lot of guys where it's this thing of like if, if I'm louder, that shows how serious I take it, or or it shows my strength or what have you. But what you have to understand is that nothing good comes from that. Like you beginning to shout, you beginning to to bring in this quote unquote bravado, and I wouldn't call it bravado, but some guys think that way. What you have to understand is that all you're doing is you're throwing gas on a fire. So if you start to feel yourself, and I, I say this by the way, as somebody who is naturally loud, on more than one occasion, I, I'll like, I, I like just you, you can check it right now as I'm talking. Like I might sound angry at points. I'm not at all, but like I just I, like when I get into something, my voice gets louder, and, I, and it's not that I'm mad at all. But there have been times where like, I'll just say it like, "Can't be like, don't yell at me." I'm like, I didn't realize I was like because it's because I, I'm not angry, but it's just that's what comes out of me. So what we want to do is at points just like check back, like step back for a second, like realize like how we're communicating and and, and doing do whatever we got to do to calm down. Um, but like that might involve taking a time out and just sort of breathing. And I was like, like, like serenity now, you're like whatever you've got to just sort of to bring it down. But I will tell you this, if you're like, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's often a great thing to take a time out. But if you're going to do that, make sure you vocalize to your spouse that that's what you're doing. One of, one of the worst things you can do in a fight is get so amped up that you just walk out. Here's why. Because while you might understand that you're taking time to calm down, usually how your spouse will feel is that you're walking out on them. And they feel, okay, man, this thing that we were, we were talking about or fighting about isn't important to you, so you, you, you've just written them off. They feel diminished by it. One of the worst, worst things you can do is walk out in the middle of a fight without explaining, hey, listen, I need to just calm down. When you do that, put on you. Like Even, even if you think your spouse is being unreasonable, don't look at them and be like, well, you're being, you're being unreasonable, so I'm just going to take a step out. No. Again, gas on the fire and say, hey, listen, I'm getting amped up here. I need to remove myself to calm myself down. We will come, like, and then you set a time to return to it. Okay, let's, let's make it a point to come back to this later. But right now, for the sake of us, because we're not fighting uh, in, we're fighting for our marriage, I need to step back. Next thing you want to avoid, we're talking about like guarding your words faith, uh, faithfully. Uh, don't get historical. Don't get historical. I mean, like when you're fighting, don't do this thing where you're like, okay, well, this is just like that time that you did this or you did that. Well, you're not living in the past. You're right here. Like, what is that going to do? Why are you making a legal case against your spouse? Your Honor, I've got precedent to show that she never takes out the trash the way I asked her to, or he. That's usually a guy thing. But whatever, like, what is that? Like, well, that's getting historical. Don't do that. In the same way, if I give you a big tip, here, check this out, okay? When we talk about guarding your words, like, with whatever you can do, here's a big one. Avoid using the words always and never. 
Avoid those words with everything that you've got. Avoid using the words always and never. Here's why. Um, because those words are broad targets that don't require any uh, specifics. And, and, and it sets you up for failure. It sets your spouse up for a situation they cannot win. So if you're looking at, well, you always say that. Well, you never do this. Well, well, all that is is a blanket statement for failure. Avoid those words. Like there is no outcome where the two of you progress forward together in a healthy way from a fight when you're just throwing those blanket words out there. Also, I would say this, and this just this just goes without saying: never threaten divorce. Never threaten divorce. That is such a low blow. That 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 is uncalled for. That is manipulative. That is absolutely not fighting fair. Well, if you're, if you're not going to do this, then maybe I should just look for somebody else then. Well, maybe we're done. Then. Like, no, I'm sorry. Hey, are you a believer? Have you made a covenant before God and those who know and love you that you will love this person and be with them and be faithful to them and stick with them and put them before you until the day that you die? Well, then guess what? That conversation is off the table. No, we, we, we're not playing that way. All right. So we want to uh, guard our words. Now, the next thing we would say is this, okay? So we're talking about steps to fighting fair. Uh, we, we, we've talked about uh, these steps. Here's the next one, okay? Handle your anger righteously. Handle your anger righteously. Here's the, here's the good news. Um, you're going to get angry. And it's not a sin to get angry. Jesus got angry. Anger at its root really is just a, it's an emotional response to a perceived injustice. Like at, at its root, anger isn't bad. Um, but there are some things that you've got to learn to let go of. And there are going to be times where you've got to say, look, this just isn't worth it. Ephesians 2, uh, or not Ephesians 2, Ephesians 4, verse 26 and 27 say it like this. In your anger, do not sin. It's not a sin to get angry, but, but how you manifest it and what you do with it might be. In your anger, do not sin. And he says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Let's apply this to marriage. Don't let the day go by with, with bitterness and, and anger still in your heart. Don't go to bed mad. Don't go to bed mad. Don't go to bed with unresolved issues. And when I say unresolved, it doesn't mean that you might have a solution to the problem, but you should have a resolution in your marriage. Okay, listen. We fought on this day, and we haven't figured out the, the, the best way forward for the two of us in terms of that specific solution, but we are united as a couple. We will not let anything divide us. Because here's the truth. Anytime you go to bed with unresolved issues, you give the devil a foothold in your marriage. And the reason you do is because unresolved anger is like a planted seed. What happens? Well, seeds grow. You leave that there, you leave that here. I mean, it is just going to, like, and you let it fester more. You don't talk about it. Bitterness grows or, or you leave it there. It creates a precedent for all the ways you think your spouse isn't considerate. And you can just come back to it again. Unresolved anger is a seed that will grow if not dealt with. Again, you don't have to have a solution for the specific problem that day. But you do have to have resolution in your marriage before you go to bed that night. Okay, so... All of that stuff said, the, 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 the signs that the Grishels have given, I think are really, really good there. Um, but let me give you, in the time that we've got left, some signs that you're, you might not be fighting fair. You might go, well, okay, that's good, but, but I, I think I do that. So are there any things that, that we should be mindful of to know if we're fighting fair or not? And the answer, again, is yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't be uh, setting it up. So uh, let, me, let me say it this way. Um, one of the best studies on fights ever was done by a guy named Dr. John Gottman. Uh, Dr. 
Gottman, what he did was he actually took uh, thousands of couples and he studied them, if you can believe this or not. It was a 40-year study. 40 years of watching how, how couple after couple fought. And because of uh, Dr. Gottman and his group's uh, studies on fighting, he was actually able to predict within a 91% accuracy whether or not the couple's marriage would make it. Just based on how they fought. And within all that, Dr. Gottman, he outlined what he called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. He said, listen, there are four things that, that if these are present in the way that you fight, your marriage is not in a good place and you're not fighting fair. Like your fighting is not healthy. And so I'm just going to outline these four things from, from Dr. Gottman. First one is this, um, criticism. Criticism. Um, and what, what I mean by criticism is, I mean, attacking uh, personality and character rather than behavior. Um, complaints are healthy. Like a complaint would be like, Hey, uh, you did this, you did that. I didn't appreciate this. I didn't appreciate that. Uh, criticism is not healthy. Criticism would be usually begin, uh, with the word you, you are a, this, you are a, that, you know, you, you are an inconsiderate person. You, you don't do what I think you should do. It attacks the personality rather than a specific behavior. Um, I'm going to say it this way, like the difference between complaint and criticism is complaint usually begins with the word I. Criticism usually begins with the word you. So um, to sort of put a healthier face on it, let's say your, your spouse does something that bothers you to, to vocalize it in a healthy way. You might say something like this. Um, uh, uh, let's say they, uh, you have issues with the dishes, okay? So you say, I appreciate that you're putting your dishes in the sink. In the future, would you mind washing them as well? Okay. I, okay, here's the complaint. You're, you're doing something, but, but I recognize like, I'm gonna, I want to validate what you've said or what you're doing. Okay, you could have left them anywhere, but I'm just asking you this. See, that's about behavior. It's not about, uh, like, criticism would be, you are a slob. Well, that's that's not the same. And so what Gottman says, listen, you want to avoid criticism. Number two, uh, avoid contempt. Contempt is this sort of disgust with your spouse. It's sort of eye rolling, this, you know, I don't like the person that I'm with. Uh, and the difference between criticism and complaint is that, or, or contempt is, contempt is an attack, it's, it's an attempt to uh, insult and psychologically abuse your partner. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, sort of, a, you know, in one of my, my, my marriage counseling trainings I did, they, they showed an example of a young couple, right? And uh, uh, the the wife, with, you know, the husband, say, okay, like they're sitting down with uh, the marriage counselor and the counselor is working out like good things for them to work on as a couple. And so the husband's like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll do that. To which the wife responds, that'll be the day. And that's sort of like just eye roll, like he's not capable of that. That's contempt. That's this, this sort of, I don't like the person that I'm with. You're such a this, you're such a that. Oh, he would never, he, okay, he says that, but he doesn't follow through. Like that's contempt. And the problem with contempt is this, that it overwhelms, and this, is what, this comes from uh, Les and Leslie Parrott's book, uh, Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. So the problem with contempt is that it overwhelms and blots out every positive feeling the partners have for each other. Because it's an attitude change. It's not about love for the other person. It's about you're disgusted by them. And as you let that seep in, what happens is all of the good begins to get thrown out and you only see the bad. Like contempt's really toxic, really dangerous. Third thing, third horseman of the apocalypse, according to Dr. Gottman, is this defensiveness. Defensiveness. It's always their fault, isn't it? <laughs> you can't acknowledge that you're wrong. Let's say your, your, your spouse says, hey, you're doing this. Oh, I would never. Well, you, you only do that. It's sort of like not hearing what the other one is doing. None of it's my fault. You were supposed to do that, okay? And that's destructive because it becomes a reflex. 
When you get used to being defensive, you're never able to receive constructive criticism. You're never able to receive um, and healthy criticism, not not attacking the, the personality, but the behavior. You're not able to receive it because you're so used to just throwing it back on the person or coming up with an excuse for why you were wrong. Well, if you understood what I understood, you wouldn't have done that. It's defensive. And it makes your spouse not heard and feel not heard because they, listen, if they're taking the time to say something to you, it matters to them. And so, and so what happens is they get shut down and the more they're shut down, more bitterness grows, more, more distance grows, they, they might sort of remove themselves more and more. And speaking of removing more and more, here's the fourth horseman of the, of the apocalypse, right? So criticism, contempt, uh, defensiveness, and here's the fourth one, stonewalling. Stonewalling. Now, usually, like 85% of the time, this is men. Okay, here, here's what we do, okay? So we're going to fight. And at some point, the guy is going to think to himself, well, she's not listening to anything that I'm saying. She's not like welcoming my input. It's just about her being strong-willed or whatever. And so he just decides in his head, I'm done. I'm done. And so here's how it'll go. So she'll say, well, I think we should do this, we should do that. And finally, she'll go, yeah, whatever, fine. Whatever, fine, I'm done. He's still like, like the wall goes up. Like, why waste? Because what he's thinking is, why waste my breath? Why waste my energy? Why waste my time fighting if she's not going to value my input? Like, I'm done. It's called stonewalling. Like, there is no more engagement. It's just, I'm done. Whatever. Fine. Whatever. Do whatever you want. You're just going to do whatever you want. Anyway, fine. Just go ahead and do it. Whatever. Whatever. Fine. Like, what is that? That's a horseman of the apocalypse. Because again, conversation not taking place. The two of you aren't going forward as a together. Now, what's happening is one guy, like the guy, and sometimes the wife. Really, this is a guy thing more often than not, okay? What he, what, what's happening is this. He's just rolling over, and he might be mad, or he might just, that might confirm in his mind an idea that his wife is stubborn or what have you. Um, it's not healthy. It's not good. And so, as I'm saying this, guys, maybe where you are is you're recognizing some of these things in your marriage, and you're going, oh, shoot. Maybe they're not big things yet, but you can see the seeds of them. Or maybe they are big things in your marriage, and, and maybe where you are, maybe you uh, you, you were divorced and you look back on it, you're like, oh, it was there with us. Or maybe right now, as you've been watching today, you just go, man, you know, our marriage is not a place that either of us would like it to be. And what I want to do is, as we wrap up today is just take a moment, have a moment of repentance. Maybe you haven't been fighting fair in your marriage, but here's the good news. You can give it to God right now. Maybe, maybe this is the moment where you, you turn and you say to your spouse, you know, I'm not going to speak for you, but I can say that I haven't been fighting fair. And I can't control your actions, but I can control mine. I want to acknowledge before God and before you, I'm sorry. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. 1 John 1, 9 says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all how much? All unrighteousness. So I want to make this a moment of confession. Maybe if you're sitting on the couch with your spouse, maybe just grab their hand and pray to God together. Or maybe, you know, you're on your own. I don't know where you are, but let's just make this a moment where like, our repentance is before God and also our spouse. So let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we seek you in this moment. And we acknowledge for many of us, there have been times where, listen, we have just not thought fair, but we want to. 
we want to because there's something in us, even for those who are on the fringe who, who think that their marriage is over and they don't see any reason to go on. There's something in it that just goes, no, there's more to this and I can have more joy in our marriage. Our marriage can reflect God. There's still hope. I don't know why, but there's still hope. So God, right now we acknowledge our shortcomings in being husbands and being wives. We acknowledge where we haven't honored you and we haven't put you first and we haven't fought fair and and we haven't sought and communicated how we should have and lord we just give those things to you and we're asking you right now for your mercy that the healing would start with an acknowledgement of our sin and lord we have sinned there's no more defensiveness here there's no okay well she did it but i didn't no like right now we acknowledge we could do better and we're sorry for the times that we haven't Lord, I pray that as we bring these things to you, that you begin to mend hearts, broken hearts, that you begin to mend marriages and relationships, you begin to pull husbands and wives back together towards each other as they seek you together. Lord, we ask you for your mercy in our marriages now. We turn from our sins and we turn to you. Please let the name of Jesus be glorified in our relationships going forward. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Mm, just take a moment there. Feel a bit choked up, right? Church fam, I want to thank you for tuning in today. Um, remember, listen, if there's any way our church can be a blessing to you, if there's any way we can help you, please email us, hello at solidground.church. Let's know how we can serve you in this time. Also, hey, if you prayed today, maybe today is a day where God just changed something in your heart and you decide today is the day you're going to follow Jesus. We want you to know you haven't finished the race. You've just started it. We want to help you take your first steps, which is why we created a special website for you. You can go on over to solidground.church slash first steps. You can find a bunch of free resources there to help you go forward in your relationship with God. So here we are, week two out of three on relationship goals. We've talked about putting God first. We've talked about communicating well. We've talked about fighting fair. And the last goal is next week. I can't wait for uh, the opportunity to share it with you. Bless you guys. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you then.